0: Welcome to Tales from the Fourth Trimester, a podcast dedicated to the beauty and brutality of new motherhood. I'm your host, Naomi Krizolakis, and I'm a postpartum doula and cook in Sydney, Australia. My service, Cocoon, provides good food and a helping hand for new mothers. Join me as I chat to women about what happened after they brought their baby home and interview experts for their wisdom giving birth is just the beginning. This is episode seven of Tales from the Fourth Trimester and today I'm chatting to Caitlin Dyer who is a hypnobirthing practitioner and postpartum doula up in Queensland. If you'd like to find out more about Cocoon you can visit my website cocoonbynaomi.com. I'm also on Instagram at cocoonbynaomi and I hope you enjoy the episode. Today, I have Caitlin Dyer from Mother Down Under with me. She is a hypnobirthing instructor and a postpartum doula. And I met Caitlin through my um, training graduates group. So we both trained under Julia Jones and her postpartum doula training. So welcome, Caitlin. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? You're in sunny, sunny Queensland. Is it sunny today?
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. We've just like just hit the switch for autumn and the humidity is gone and now we have, hopefully, stunning sunny days for the next few months.
0: Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah we, we've definitely got a bit of a freshness in the air here in Sydney. It's, as you can see, I've got my, my woolly cardigan on. <laughs> um, so I might just get you to um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, your family and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from the States, but I've been in Brisbane for, oh gosh, 12 years now, I think, so Brisbane's definitely become home, um, and yeah, my husband, he's from Brisbane originally, so I met I met him over in the States, and then sort of came back here with him. Um, we were only meant to stay for two or three years, and now, like I said, <laughs> years later, I'm still here, um, but yeah, I have two kids now, so my eldest son uh, Charlie he's almost eight Um, and then my daughter Lydia just turned four
0: lovely fun ages I'm sure keeping you busy um so I've read a little bit about your um your experiences with birth on your blog which was really interesting um so your first um baby was born in hospital using hypnobirthing. And then you went on to become a hypnobirthing instructor and then had a home birth with your second. Um, but I wanted to ask you before we get into all of that, what did you expect from the early, (laughs) the early weeks and months of motherhood? Were you someone, I mean, like me, I, I definitely spent a lot of time preparing for, um, the birth and pregnancy, I was, but I didn't really spend a lot of time considering postpartum. What was your experience with that? Yeah, I was the same. I spent a lot of time thinking about the birth.
1: I was actually pretty onto breastfeeding too. Like I kind of had friends who breastfeeding was a challenge, and so I sort of, that was on my radar. Right. Um, so I put a fair bit of effort towards, and mostly just watching YouTube videos of, you know, what a good latch was and like how the baby's mouth works and, you know, I, but I was, At least putting a bit of time into thinking about breastfeeding, but I put literally no thought into what life with a baby would be like. And I think part of that is cultural because in the States there's no maternity leave. So women go back to work full time when their baby's like eight weeks old. And so you literally do see these women just carrying on with life as if they didn't have a baby. And so I kind of. Was expecting that you, you know yeah. you kind of think oh well if none of my friends in Australia had had babies so I was sort of basing all of my uh, baby world view off of friends from America and you kind of think well if they're back to work and running a family when their baby's eight weeks old like you know surely how hard can this be I will just carry on as for normal with my adorable little baby in tow Yeah, which newsflash is not
0: <laughs> Um, how it works. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, <out. laughs> yeah. So those people um, from America that you knew who had kids, did you were you just seeing sort of one side of it? Were they telling you about how hard it because I mean I just think how brutal is that to have to go back to work at A? It's just appalling.
1: Well, I think part of it is A they don't know any different. Yeah. B yeah. they don't have a choice. You know, that that's that's the reality and state. So I don't even think that your mind you know, perhaps in like a daydream, it wanders to, oh, wouldn't it be lovely, but it's just not, like, no one does it. It's not, you know, it's not an option, so I, I don't even think that they sort of consider what an alternative might sort of look like or feel like. Um, yeah, and that's something, you know, sort of jumping ahead to postpartum doula work, that's something I always warn my clients about. I'm like, you know, most of those baby books are written, by Americans, for Americans who have a very different postpartum experience than Australians do, so just don't don't read them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you plan to take much time off after?
1: Yeah, I I guess like the fairly standard. um, I work for Queensland Health, um, so I've got, oh gosh, I can't even remember now, I think 14 weeks from them and then 18 weeks from the government. I think all up I took.
0: You know, I was able
1: to cobble together a year.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Such a big difference, isn't it? Like whenever we lived in America for four years and whenever I would tell, I was pre- spent some of my pregnancy over there, and whenever I would tell people about the, you know, what women got here, it was just they couldn't believe it. They could not believe how well treated and what good mat- um, maternity leave policies we have and the fact that you could go and birth in a public hospital and not pay a cent, Um I mean, of course, I think things could be always improved, but we do have it pretty, pretty good here compared to the US, which is part of the reason why I decided to come back here to have my baby.
1: Yeah, I always feel grateful that I have my babies babies here. Um, And a huge part of that is just that extended maternity leave and just being able to spend time, you know, time with your baby and time adjusting to being a mother.
0: Yeah. So did you have in your head, um, other than what you'd kind of seen around you, did you have any kind of um, uh, sort of fantasies of, you know, you'd be going for coffees, you'd be, you know, going on long hikes? Like, what was your sort of, um, your sort of Instagram version of new motherhood? Yeah, definitely lots of
1: like, you know, walks to the coffee shop with my cute little baby and my
0: dog and
1: like cute Baby accessories and um, lots of cooking. You know, I really, I actually really love cooking. So I thought I'd spend a lot of time, like, you know, making bread and have all these homemade. You know, this real, I don't know, sort of homemaker life. Yeah. You know, this house, the fresh cooked meal, the coffee <laughs> and the sunshine. Yes, it was definitely very much, very
0: much that. I love it. Um, that sounds. That sounds really nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so tell me, you. I mean, I've heard a little bit about um, Charlie's birth, but tell me how the, that pregnancy and birth went for you. Yeah, it was really uneventful. Really, the whole thing. Um, you know, pregnancy was,
1: you know, very uneventful in the most pleasant um, of ways. Um, his birth, I had a private obstetrician hospital birth with him, um, and. Yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, it was a pretty uneventful birth. Um, I did end up having an episiotomy, and that's one thing that I still not sort of struggle with, but I still don't know why, you know, like, I um, I should say I'm also a nurse, and I definitely, like, read through my notes after the birth, and it didn't, there wasn't a huge clue as to why I had one. I don't know if it was, you know, for preference, or anyway, yeah. Um, but I found that recovering from the ephediotomy really challenged me. Um, and, yeah, you sort of, you know, I mean, you know, you're just I don't think my milk had come in yet. I definitely wasn't fully comfortable breastfeeding. Um, it's definitely still really sore from the Um, And then you come home and, um, you know, it was just my husband and I. Like, my family is obviously still all in the States and, you know, you just remember having those moments where, you know, I guess part of it being a nurse is your mind just goes to worst case scenario. Mm. So it's like, you know, in going to the toilet after having a baby is always a adventure, especially when you've had an episiotomy. And I just remember like, I went to the bathroom and I was convinced that I had a rectal prolapse. Mm-hmm. And I had to get my husband in, and I was like, Can you look and see if this like looks normal? And of course, he had no idea what he was looking, like, looking at either. And it's mortifying having your husband look at, you know, the whole I just was like, I can't believe, you know, I'm sobbing. The baby's probably crying in the background. And you're just like, This is it? You know, like what? And I remember I called the obstetrician, and I just said, I'm just not sure that everything's right. Like, I'm not sure if I'm healing properly you know, is there anything I can do? And he said, well, you can come into my rooms. And I was like, I had a baby four days ago. I, I like, Walking is uncomfortable. I don't want to get in the car, drive to the city, deal with parking, you know, just let my capsule up. You know, no, I don't want to do that. Like, isn't there any other, any other option for care, for support? And there kind of wasn't any suggestion. Um, and I guess that's where I just felt really sort of, let down a bit um, in the whole pregnancy birth thing was definitely that that postpartum part um, where you just want someone to you know kind of give you a hug and tell you that everything's going to be fine and that what you're experiencing is, is normal and you know yes it's hard but it's all part of it and just keep trusting you know just all those yeah all those messages um, just sort of those affirming messages that um, you know even when you have a really supportive really loving partner they just
0: So um, you mentioned that your family was all in the States. Did you have any support from your husband's family or sort of an extended network?
1: Um, Yeah, I... Yes, um, but looking back, it wasn't, you know, it was definitely more of the sort of drop in, have a cup of tea, hold the baby sort of support, <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> we, very well-intentioned. Yes. You know, perhaps not meaningful support, um, or at least it wasn't sort of the support that I was really searching for. Yeah. Um, I do remember one day Charlie had just fallen asleep, and I was just aching to fall asleep myself, and the doorbell rang, and I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, I can't deal with a visitor, um, and it was Richard's sister, and she kind of looked at me, and she said, all right, you just go get into bed. I'll do some things around the house. I'll let myself out. Yeah, it was most Thank beautiful. <laughs> I woke up and all my laundry was folded and another wash load of washing had been put on and the dishes were out of the dish you know, just little just that little and you just wake up and you just think, Oh, thank you you know. So that was that one visit <laughs> sustained me. I, uh,
0: I want to come back to it later, but I, um, I really feel like there needs to be a toolkit for how to ask for that kind of help from people in a, you know, we almost need to have, you know, like a particular words to say or emails to send. Here's a template because I, I feel like that's what happens and people are really well intentioned, but, um, and it's lovely to see people except when you're you know topless and your boobs are engorged and you're sleep deprived and you just want to sleep and <laughs> someone to take it i mean that sounds great what your sister in law did um but yes that's probably the exception rather than the rule for most people yeah did your so did your family come out yeah did, it, you, did it, i
1: can't remember the time frame. I think they came out when Charlie was about a month old,
0: um,
1: which was really nice as well because it did give us time um, sort of as a little family unit to sort of find our feet and figure out what was going to work for us. I was feeling, you know, just a bit more confident about everything. And, um, so was more able, I think to enjoy the time with my parents, whereas I think if they'd come a bit earlier, it would have just all been too much, um, and would have been a bit too stressful. So, um, yeah, so that actually worked. That's
0: great. And when they, when they yeah. arrived, were they were they helpful? Were they supporting?
1: Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, it was still definitely I had to initiate. Right. Like, oh, can you do this? Can you do this? But, you know, like they would, you know, take the dog for walks every day and, you know, were really happy to, to step in. Yeah. But, you know, when you're in that sort of postpartum fog, oftentimes you don't even know what you need. Yeah. Um, and I do tend to be really independent and not that I view help as like a sign of weakness, but just, just have the mindset that I can, I can do it myself, you know, and, um, definitely I'm a bit type A as well. So I always think the job I'll do will be better than the job someone else will do. So, you know, I I have a hard time asking for help, Yes, even when I know what needs to be done. And then when you're in that post-war and fog, you don't even know what, what you need help with, um, I, I did struggle with, with that.
0: Yeah, I think um, I've, I've read a few things that talk about, you know, personality types but also experiences you've had. If you've had, you know, if you, if you maybe haven't had a career, it's a different story. If you've had a career and you've learned, you know, you put in the hours, you put in the hard yards, you read the books, you, you know, everything kind of works out. And when you have a baby, it's almost harder then to accept that massive shift where you just have to, to surrender to the fact that you're at the mercy of this, you know, small, very needy human, um, which I think is a really yeah. interesting theory. And I think, yeah, the more sort of, ty- and I'm, I say this as someone who's very Type A and very much like I can do it myself and I'm, I'm capable. And you know, um, it, it can be very hard to then let go of that and accept help and ask for help. I mean, it's that's the hardest, hardest thing. Um, so tell me about the um, best parts and the worst parts of your postpartum.
1: First, first birth? First birth. Um, definitely, definitely the worst part was the kidney, Um yeah. and just recovering from that. Um, again, I just, it just didn't match what my reality was, did not match what my expectations were. Um and just sort of reconciling that was really hard and just wondering if your body's ever going to go back to normal, um, and not having sort of a timeline for recovery, you know, not being able to say, oh yeah, by six weeks I'll be feeling like myself again and sort of feeling confident and more like Um, so that, that was, yeah, really hard for me, um, I think the best bit, oh, I remember like, when you first, when I, the first day I came home from hospital, Charlie was still in full on newborn sleeping mode, you know, hadn't really kind of woken up yet. And I just remember sitting out in the sun with my baby by my side and just reading and just thinking, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, Brian. you got your mind <laughs>
1: Yeah. I think that lasted, you know, one day and then my milk came in and he woke up and then it was another, you know, six weeks before I got a moment like that again. But, um, yeah, just moments like that, you know, particularly just, yeah, you walk to the coffee shop and you're just sitting in the sun having a coffee and your baby's there and just, just those really simple, peaceful moments. I just, yeah, I really loved that.
0: So um, your first experience of birth. This- put you on the path to becoming a hypnobirthing um is it instructor practitioner I don't know the right term teacher um so tell me a little bit about that and how you came to um wanting another child and preparing yourself for another child and postpartum experience yeah well I guess because
1: I took hypnobirthing when I was pregnant with Charlie and it just I think, again, being sort of type A, I really needed something. i would never done, like, yoga or meditation or mindfulness or anything like that before. Um, and I just found it really settled me. Like, it really just helped calm me down, and it really helped me sort of, you know... In other words, I sort of surrender and let go are so sort of overused. But it just really helped, yeah, I guess just calm my mind, which is, you know, exactly what it's what it's meant to do. And I guess I didn't realize how much I needed a tool like that yeah. until I started practicing hypnobirthing. Um, and, yeah, so like I said, I had I had a really uneventful birth, um, really, with Charlie. And um, besides the episiotomy, didn't have any, any intervention. And I just felt... It felt really amazing afterwards I got that huge oxytocin high and I felt really proud of myself and yeah just had such a great experience and then I suppose after I had Charlie more friends went on to have babies and I kind of was seeing that what my experience was wasn't matching up mm-hmm. what with what their experiences were um and just you know just sort of you know when you're on maternity leave, and bear in mind when I had Charlie, there was no like we didn't have Foxtel, smartphones were not what they were now. Like there was a lot of time just sort of sitting sitting around thinking, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was just really able to sort of like reflect reflect on my birth, and um, yeah, really credited hypnobirthing thing um, with giving me the tools to have the type of birth um, that I did. Um, and, yeah, then the opportunity came up to be a hypnobirth- hypnobirthing um, Australia sure. practitioner. And I think I did that course when Charlie was about two. Um, yeah, and spent a year just learning as much as I could about birth. And really, I guess being a nurse too, I'm just fascinated with the physiology of it, like the hormones and what your body does and what your baby's doing. Like I just think it is, you know, the more you learn about it, the more mi- miraculous it really Seems like it's just amazing, um, and yeah, it did take me a while to decide to have another baby, um, and I think a lot of that was because I, I should say too, Charlie and I had a really rough first year. Um, you know, there was recovering from the physiotomy which took a lot of sort of intentional effort with physio. I had a really big abdominal separation as well, so the combination was a lot of work with physio. Um, I got appendicitis when Charlie was like three months and ended up being in hospital for two or three, two weeks, um, which was really, tough. yeah, it was really hard, and breastfeeding at that point was a struggle, and, um, you know, people were telling me, oh, you know, you've had a good run, just put them on formula now, and I was like, I've not had a good run, it's only been three months, like, anyway, so that was a, a real challenge. Um, and then Charlie got septic arthritis when he was like 11 months old, and he was in hospital. So, like the first year. When I look back on it, I'm like, that was a really rough yeah. first year. Um, so it took me a while to kind of bounce back from that. And then, then I kind of got to the point where he and I, like, I just really loved spending time with him, and I just couldn't imagine sort of sharing that experience with a baby or having to split my attention. We just had this really good little thing going, you know. I was really enjoying you know, swimming lessons and toddler time and hanging out with mummy. Like it just all was really lovely and I just wasn't really ready to um, sort of rock the boat with another, another baby. Um, but, yeah, I guess I think I – became pregnant with Lydia when Charlie was about three. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, in that time, had learned so much more about birth um, and sort of combining that with the the sort of more difficult postpartum with Charlie, just decided to go with a um, private midwife model of care. Mm-hmm. The second one in the main, I really loved – the idea of seeing one midwife all throughout pregnancy, having the midwife be their birth. Yeah. And then I really, really, really loved the six weeks of postpartum follow up care. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, that's great. Yeah, it was just it was just I mean, that's what I didn't know that I wanted with my first, but that's what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> um, with my first as well. But anyway, you know, you live and you learn. So got that
0: for my second. And you had, a, you had a home birth with your second baby? Yeah, I didn't didn't
1: sort of start off the pregnancy thinking that I would have a home birth, um, but I think just the confidence I had having, you know, d- done it once, I'd been through the process of birth once, and then learning so much more about birth um, just sort of became apparent as my pregnancy went on that that was going to be the best option for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, had a beautiful, beautiful home birth. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then a really lovely postpartum.
0: That's, that's so great. So tell me, I'm really intrigued about the six weeks of care that you got from your midwife. Tell me how, what that looked like, and what she would do on visits for you. Yeah,
1: so um, so sort of practically it was it was one a visit every day for the first week, mm-hmm. and then once a week up to the six week mark. Um, and they would come, they would come to me, so they'd come come to my house. Um, The first week was definitely focused on the baby and I had um, just a slight tear um, when I had Lydia. Um, So sort of focusing on my healing and making sure that the tear was healing well, um, making sure that we were breastfeeding, weighing the baby. So the first week was definitely sort of more, um, I guess, sort of practical visits. Um, And I think, again, it's the kind of thing it would be really individual, the visits. I think because I was a second-time mom... um, you know lydia like the first time i put her near my boob she just was like yeah got this and just started feeding immediately so that was like never you know didn't have any problem breastfeeding at all the second time so the first um, time sorry
0: i didn't ask you about breastfeeding the first time but what how what was the difference between the first time and the second time you mentioned that it was a bit tricky first time uh-huh. I think at the time it was just really the learning curve. Yeah. Um,
1: Charlie does
0: have a tongue
1: tie, but it didn't really affect us hugely. Um, I think it was just sort of the lack of confidence and just the conflicting advice you get from everyone, you know, like just really struggling with what actually to do or, you know, is, you know, and intuitively I knew like he was this really happy, thriving, chubby baby. Like he was obviously getting enough milk, but someone says something and then you just kind of start thinking and overthinking and wonder. Like I remember because I used to just feed him on one side. And then he would have a little snooze. And then when he woke up, I'd swap him to the other side and went to see a child health nurse. And she's like, oh, no, no, you have to be doing both breaths, both breaths every feed. And I was like, have I been doing it wrong this whole time? Like, have I been? <laughs> you know, like, it, it, and then was trying to feed him both sides. And then he was just getting too much. and was You know, oh, just, God. just, yeah. so I think the first time it was more, it wasn't, um, you know, once you kind of reach that three-week mark and I had it figured out practically it, it was fine it was more the sort of self-doubt and overthinking um that I sort of struggled with with the first time yeah uh, and then like I said was when I was in hospital with um uh, decided was having to pump and mm. uh, my supply definitely took a dip then and so then it was sort of after that happened working out ways to get my supply back back up and get us back to breastfeeding rather than bottle feeding and um yeah, and the second time it was like I said, she was just sort of born knowing what to do. Yeah, um, and, I, and because I knew what a good latch felt like, and I sort of knew how to hold her, and I knew that it was yep. fine in a way that I didn't. I wasn't sure the first time.
0: Was yeah. there anything you found because it's a four-year gap between them? Was there anything you found that you'd forgotten, or was it like riding a bike and everything just came back to you, like you said about holding her? It was just.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: just like, yeah. 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 Um, so sorry, tell me about the um so they'd come in your midwife would come in once a week and check yeah. on you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was really just
1: someone to talk to. <laughs> um, and I think that, again, because everything was really uneventful. You know, I think if, that you, if you were a first-time mother who did need more support and more guidance and, um, you know, particularly more emotional support, the midwives definitely would have provided that. Um, but the second time I just, yeah, I think I was just still in my little oxytocin bubble. Um, and, and part of that, too, is so the second baby – not that no one really cares, but you don't get all those that flood of visitors you get you get with the first one. Like, you know, people drop by and see the baby, but then once they've seen the baby once, they don't keep like I found with the first; they kept coming back. You know, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. With <laughs> um, the second one, it, it's not; it's not it doesn't have the same to do, I suppose, as as the first one does. Um, so there's just less pressure from you know, multiple sources. There was like just less pressure.
0: Yeah.
1: And, oh, and my husband, because he's a teacher and she just happened to be born at the beginning of, um, Christmas holidays. Okay. So he was for six weeks. Fantastic. So it was, you know, was again, I didn't mention this, but in the first, um, after Charlie, he literally didn't even get a day off work. He was back to work like wow. the day, Charlie was born, which, yeah, oh, when I look back, I thought,
0: like, what like, what were we thinking? Did you just assume everything would be fine, or was that, did he have a choice?
1: Uh no, he didn't, he was, at the time, he was the director of rugby, and it was rugby season, so there's no, no option, um, and, but again, I was just, you know, independent woman, and I was like, yeah, yeah, you've got to work, we're going to be fine, um, <laughs> and when I look back, I just Aww. think, why, <laughs> what was I thinking, but.
0: You just don't know, that's the thing. You don't know until you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, What was it like going from one child to two for you? Yeah, it was
1: really lovely, I guess. Um, I was really grateful that, you know, Charlie and I had, you know, three and a half years. So it was just the two of us. And I think, you know, we were, we are really well bonded. So I don't think he ever I don't know there was never any sort of sibling rivalry or jealousy or anything I never had to deal with anything like that um, yeah he kept going to um, he was he started kindy the year she was born so he was at kindy um, so I had a few days home with just Lydia so I really felt like I had the best of both worlds you know he had his thing and then I had a few days with just Lydia and then we had a few days a week with all of us like and it just yeah it just like I said, I
0: just felt really – second time just all felt really easy. Yeah. So other yes. than other than having a private midwife, is there anything you you did that you think helped make that postpartum time better the second time around? I think it's just a continual process of letting go as a mother. You know, like I had released all expectations
1: of having a clean house, having food on the table um, at a certain time. You, you know, just all of that had – ceased to be important or ceased to be – I didn't – I no longer viewed it as a reflection on me and how I was coping as a mother and sort of my value in the world. Like, I just had let all that go.
0: That's a big deal. Um,
1: oh, it's, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, I'm still – I still – like, it's a continual Yeah. process. Yeah. Um, and I think, to the private midwifery model encourage that and sort of have um, – someone who you look up to and someone who's caring for you to reaffirm that that's okay and it doesn't matter. Um, and you know, you'll get back to, you know, your ambitions and you'll get back to, you know, like that was really important to have that sort of external validation that yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I just that was and and Lydia slept like I must admit she was just
0: oh well that how was magic you know,
1: like beautiful baby who take but that being said I didn't often do anything when she slept mm-hmm. like we would spend hours just on the couch she would just be sleeping on me and I would just be watching Netflix and just yeah just so that's
0: kind of you, yeah it was lo- it was yeah. really lovely yeah. yeah. Um, so tell me about how you got involved in postpartum doula work. Did you know what a postpartum doula was? No, definitely. Certainly
1: not with my first. Um, I suppose I was just probably, I don't even know where I started hearing about it or thinking, wow, that sounds interesting um and I can't actually remember when I did Julia's course it was when Lydia was little I don't think it was when she was a newborn I think she must have been about one um but yeah I guess always sort of reflecting on my first birth it was always a postpartum where I felt a bit let down um and like things could really 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 be improved um and then i think having the experience i did the second time where i did have that support and i did have that that care um kind of saw the value in it um and then yeah i guess i don't know i probably i don't know google facebook you know facebook things just appear in your feed at the right time and uh, (laughs) i and you know, was probably still on maternity leave and thought,
0: yeah, I can do that. Um, Yeah. So um, how has it been for you working as a postpartum doula and sort of giving other women the nice parts of your own postpartum experience? Tell me a little bit about what you like about that work.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, like the baby snuggle, just being able to have a newborn just curled up on your chest like that is just lovely um yeah and just knowing that I'm leaving women feeling how I felt when the midwives left me you know just feeling really filled up you know you just really feel that love and the support and care and just feeling like you're doing a good job you know like I said so much of it I think is just that affirmation um and just the way you know when you're you're a mom you don't get any feedback Mm -hmm. for anyone and you know can be really sort of isolating and I think moms just often wonder if they're doing the right thing if they're doing enough um and so just to have someone swoop in and say yeah you're good this is this is great (laughs) you know it's just just makes such
0: a difference absolutely um I know you're big into cooking as well so you cook a lot for your clients
1: yes I try to leave the mom with a week's worth of um, I give breakfast for a week, and then sort of like a main for a week, and then snacks.
0: Amazing! Oh yeah. oh yeah. What sort of things do you like to cook for them?
1: Uh, everything. I don't know. <laughs> just, it, yeah, it sort of depends. I, yeah. I get sick of cooking the same thing, so I often sort of um yeah, we'll just branch out and again just come across recipes yeah i think oh that would be really good for for postpartum um you know i do follow a lot of the sort of ayurvedic um you know chinese traditional uh philosophy i suppose um around postpartum food um and definitely i mean i remember you know especially when you're in those early weeks there's not really a morning time or a night time. You know, time takes on this sort of like nebulous quality and you might be eating, you know, your first breakfast at midnight and then want a second breakfast at 8 a.m. But then come on, you know, then you want like, you know, I just thought I was eating. There wasn't a breakfast lunch dinner, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It was just sort of eating all day long. And so I do try to cook foods that don't have, you know, can be used for multiple Meals, if that if that's what
0: makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yum, it's making me hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what else do you like to do for your um your clients when you visit them?
1: Oh, oh let, let them sleep. sleep. That's mm. sleep. Usually, usually what ends up um happening. is just have have a chat, check in. Um, you know, certainly if she has any questions about breastfeeding or about settling or um, anything that's happened over the last week, um, talk about that. Um and then usually usually all the moms want is a hot shower and to crawl back into bed. Um so I am perfectly happy holding babies, taking for a walk, folding laundry, doing whatever needs to be done um, while mom hasn't has a nap.
0: Sounds perfect. I'd like yeah. you to go come and do that for me anytime. <laughs>
1: I know a lot of my friends are like, what's the definition of postpartum? How can
0: I, (laughs) my baby's
1: four, can I still book in?
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Speaking of babies, are you planning to have another baby or are you? Oh, I would
1: love, I love being pregnant, loved giving birth, don't Don't want another actual
0: child. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get get your fill looking after babies. Yeah, yeah, that's the big perk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing your experiences with me. Yeah. Um, for people who are in, where about you're in Brisbane, right? Yeah. yeah. So people in Brisbane, where can they um, find you or anyone else who wants to follow you on social media? Give us all your details.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much Mother Down Under everywhere. So Facebook and Instagram, Mother Down Under. Uh, and my website is motherdownunder.com. So Perfect. pretty easy. All
0: right. Well, thank you so much again.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank I you for having me. <laughs>